0: Hi, I'm Liz Cornish, and today I will be the special guest host of the No Picks After Dark podcast. And I have a very special guest today, Aaron Dante. We'll be right back after these special messages.
1: No Picks After Dark is sponsored by Snug Books, an independent bookstore serving Northeast Baltimore and beyond. In addition to featuring new books for all ages, the store also carries cards, stationery, gifts, games, and more. Visit snugbooks.com to shop online, learn more about the store, read our latest newsletter, and find a calendar of events. Or come browse the store in person. Snug Books is located at 4717 Harford Road, next to Zeke's Coffee in Hamilton, Larville free parking behind the store and open hours are tuesday through sunday 10 a.m to 6
2: p.m the no picks after dark podcast is proudly partnered with maggie's farm located at 4341 hartford road maggie's farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-watering cuisine from falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey, sriracha, cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. With delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials.
0: Hey, Aaron.
1: Hey, what's going on?
0: Um, so first of all, how does it feel to be on the other side of your interview podcast?
1: I'm sweating right now. A little, I'm a little nervous. It's 100 degrees outside. It feels like 120 degrees in here now because you're about to grill me <laughs> with some questions. So I'm a little sweating, but we'll make it through. Thank you so much for doing this.
0: Absolutely. Um, So, of course, this came about. Um, we've had a couple of really great conversations and... It was really funny because we hadn't chatted in a while and it was very serendipitous um, and you were on my mind and I was like, I got to reach out to Aaron and just see how he's doing. But I also in the back of my mind was, I have this idea and I've listened to your podcast and you're a great interviewer, but sometimes hearing your story can sort of enrich the audience's experience listening and you know, who is who are you and <laughs> what is your perspective on Baltimore and... What makes you um, excited to keep doing this work? Um, so I've got lots of questions, and then, <laughs> and then we met for coffee, and for, like you had the same idea. It was very weird, and so you were like, "I think I want you to interview me for this podcast," and I was like, "Great," because I already had that idea. So
1: you know, great minds think alike. Absolutely. And you know, the reason why shows you because I think you are very in tune with the Baltimore scene. You know what's going on and we've had amazing conversations. And every time I walk around I conversations with all I'm always like, damn, I wish I had more time to talk longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you kinda want more. So I was like, why not have somebody who is just really knows loves the city, loves everything about the city and listens to podcasts and kinda wants to know a little bit more questions mm-hmm. that people probably are asking but
0: mm-hmm. really don't
1: have time to ask or whatnot.
0: So Yeah. So when I thought about, you know, what kind of direction I wanted to take this interview. I thought, you know, I listen to a lot of interview podcasts. That is just sort of the medium that I tend to like. And every host has their own style. A lot of them have a specific structure, you know, in the way they like to ask questions. Full disclosure, I've never done this.
1: (laughs) You're doing great. You're doing great.
0: Um, But I thought about, you know, what do I want to know about Aaron? And what do I think is really important for listeners of your podcast to understand? Because I think... You know, who gets to ask the questions, I think, is a really interesting thing for everybody to ponder on when they're consuming media. And getting to know you, I think, provides context not only in, you know, how did you create this podcast, but how are you sustaining it? Um, How do you keep it fresh? And I think the most important question is, what's your why? You know, Mm. why do you do this podcast? And Mm. so we'll get there, because I think that's a bigger question, Um, and I think that's where we're going to head. So, I think one of the things that really shaped me and some of the media that I keep going back to, when we were growing up, we're about the same age, right? Eighties babies. Eighties, yes. And when we were growing up, podcasts didn't exist. Mm. Um, And you know, the closest I think we got was like the Barbara Walters interviews.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are you going (laughs) twenty twenty? You're showing our age right now. You're really showing our age. Um,
0: And like you know, everybody would watch them. You know, no matter, like every house in America, given their background, it was very, very, like people were into it. And I think it's because people want to know people's interior lives. It's just right. natural human nature. Um, so I'm curious, you know, I think there's thing. What did you listen to or watch growing up? You know, what kind of media did you consume that you think shapes your approach to this podcast? And maybe, you know, what are you listening to or consuming now that continues to shape
1: your approach? Wow, that's a great question. Wow, you you got me thinking about the 80s now. So this is interesting. So when I was growing up, this is my age group now, I used to watch Donahue. Oh, my God. Donahue. Right, so Donahue was like the opposite of Oprah.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and I used to watch Oprah because my grandmother was like, at 4 o'clock, mm-hmm. Oprah's on. Ain't nobody mm-hmm. else but Oprah coming on.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I used to study and watch Oprah, and watch mm-hmm. her questions, understand how she had the audience captivated, how you hung on to every little word she, word she said. Donahue was a little bit more controversial, a little more at it, going at it, but it was like, interesting. How did they keep our attention? Mm-hmm. How did they keep you watching? Why did you mm-hmm. want to tune in and watch it? Uh, I remember watching Barbara Waters, you know? Everybody, mm-hmm. the, the joke was, Baba Walters, so, <laughs> you know, and that would be the late night, like, she interviewed, like, you know, Bobby and Whitney, and,
3: uh-huh. you know,
1: it's like, she got that interview? So you grew up on all those things in the 80s and 90s. You're like, Yo, this is kind of dope. Like, you know, I never thought I would be doing this now, mm-hmm. but it's shaping me to, like, understanding. I used to watch Ricky Lake, you know. Mm-hmm. I used to watch all those shows because that was my my grandmother when I was younger. Summertime would come back to Baltimore, and I would be working at my family store, 15, 16 years old. And every 4 o'clock, it was Oprah. And Barbara Walters had 8 o'clock special on ABC. Mm-hmm. Guess what? We were watching ABC. Yeah. So, again, Donahue, you know, Donahue, he was wild. You know, even watching Judge Wapner. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're going back old school. We're going to go back old school for you. So I think a lot of those people shaped me. But I also think the realest, biggest shape were my uncles who, I mean, if you met them, God bless them. Nobody's, none of my uncles are alive today. Unfortunately, it was eight of them, seven of them. But they would be the most, I'll tell anybody, you could sit there and be on a maze of their storytelling. Mm-hmm. And it was a gift of it. And the gift of storytelling is just something that people have or you don't, you do or don't. People yeah. are like, well, you can learn how to tell a story. Yeah, you can learn, but can you keep them captivated? And mm-hmm. people have to have that charisma about it. Something has to draw you to that person. Mm-hmm. Why do you go back listening to that person? Why do you want to go back? Mm-hmm. You want, do you want more? Right. And that's where I learned just being a charisma, having the no picture of dark. That was a party, 10 years. People everyone, they want to know what's gonna happen next year. Yeah. How are we gonna to top it every year? What are these guys gonna do this year? So you always want to captivate, get people drawn in. And I guess I'm a very big extrovert, but I don't know if yeah. I am now. Because the pandemic got me changed. Like interesting. I'm kinda of like weirded out by people a little bit more. Like, you know, just with so much thing going on in society, I'm not gonna get into all that, but that's where the storytelling has come from. Um, just you know, always when you tell a story, it's not like you were in college. And you're telling a story, everybody's listening, and I was mm-hmm. that guy. I was telling the stories, mm-hmm. and so I had the knack of having that personality that mm-hmm. was natural. And yeah. this podcast just is a natural fit,
0: right? Because I think there's a difference between you know somebody just sitting a camera in front of you and say, Aaron, tell me your story, versus somebody guiding you through that process, and I think that's probably why so many people were captivated by those interview shows um, in the Mm -hmm. 80s and 90s is because they were giving us, you know, they had access and they had power that allowed them to ask the questions um, that you wouldn't get, you know, from a typical interview or even sort of the PR machine creating an image of a celebrity or sort of a controversial public figure. And so I do think that's some of the interesting things about the power that somebody that even you can hold in terms of and it's good and bad right
1: yeah it's it's good and bad there's there's good and bad parts about
0: this tell me about that what's that dynamic when you're able to sit across from somebody and you're not telling your story but you're drawing their story out of them what are some of the things that you're thinking about in order to make sure that you get um, a cohesive narrative from people and that you get the questions answered that you think are most important?
1: You have to make comfortable. Mm-hmm. You gotta make comfortable, you gotta sit down with them, have that pre conversation before the cameras roll, and let's have a conversation. We're not too much different, we're not too much different, you know, we're, we're more alike than anything. And you just wanna comfort them and say, hey, you know, what do you need? You wanna go get some coffee? You wanna go get some water? Let's mm-hmm. hang out. Let's get the nervousness out the way. I always like a pre conversation with everybody I talk with. You know, I'd rarely go into an interview like just. No thoughts, no questions because it may not fit. There's some episodes where I'm like I, in the beginning I did it I was like, oh, some interviews I'm like, I'm ready for this to be over in like <laughs> ten minutes. How do I get through this interview? Right. You know you know I mean my I mean my, my dude over on the left Paul can tell you there's some some episodes that we've been and we're like, oof. but you don't see it through when I'm doing it. It's mm-hmm. like this is all the stuff's going through my mind. you know when you're talking when people are like, well, let's do an interview. Okay, like, everybody wants to talk, but do you, does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Would it be a good story? Is it going to be a good story? I tell people, the bad is I get over 100 messages a week. Mm-hmm. It's kicked up to the point where I am just, I took a whole month off. Right. Because I needed me time, and I still couldn't get me time. Because people still want a piece of, all right, mm-hmm. I want to be in the show. And for every artist in the world, there's another politician in the world. For every politician mm-hmm. in the world, there's activists. For every community organizer, there's somebody else. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to tell a story. And that's what the podcast originally started with. I never try to fight I never try to fight the podcast. I try to let it flow. Mm-hmm. But keep what I built what I built the mm-hmm. same. You know, you have some people who are like, well I want to inter- wanted to do a podcast interview, but I want to do it this way, this way. And I'm like, then, right. then you can do your own way. You can there's there's plenty of other podcasters <laughs> out here. You can do it. You can do it that way. Um, Yeah. You know what? It is what it is. I I mean, do I regret not doing it? You know, maybe. But now if you say, hey, Aaron, I'll pay you $200, $300, and we do it this way, then you know what? Sure. You want to do it this way. But not for me, not for you to look better, not for you on my time. Because one thing I've learned this year is time is precious. I don't Mm want to waste your time or my time. And if it's not right, the vibe's not right, we're not, I'm not going to waste your time. Yeah. And go ahead, sorry.
0: No, oh, no, no, no. I'm, finished your thought. No,
1: I'm good, I'm good, I'm okay. good, I'm good.
0: So in thinking about that, so one of the things that came to mind was there's been this whole hustle culture, you know, that we have been raised in. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people push people to monetize a creative effort. And so if you become good at something creatively, then you're like, well, how can I make money? Or I have my job, job, and then I have my creative endeavors. And I'm curious, what was the thing that made you want to take that leap? Where really you have a creative idea, um, something you wanted to make. Um, there was something missing in the landscape that you wanted to fill. And what, what, like, how it, was that decision made to say? You know, I want this to be something that's more formal, maybe more professionalized, something that I run independently as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, you go from craft to entrepreneur. That's a journey, right? So what, do you, what was the impetus? Like, was there something that happened or was there a sort of an internal dialogue that you had for a while?
1: Hmm, That's a real good question. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back when I started in 2019, mm-hmm. It's 2022 now. It was fun, which for fun, buy us a couple, a couple of toys, a couple of mics. Our first mics were Amazon. Nothing, you know, just shore mic. No, I mean, we're on shore mics right now. Mm-hmm. Like what? Look around where we are right now. This was not in the plan. Right. None of this was the camera guy. Come on. This guy costs too much money. To get me. <laughs> but, you know, again, but again, all seriousness, like what happened? So what happened was there was a need. There was an outcry. there was something that people were like, "You have something. you have a natural knack, you have a gift. you have something that we really enjoy. Keep on doing it. And you know, I always remember, and God bless his soul, um, Trevor White, who passed away tragically in Baltimore, he was a big person who really believed in what I was doing. He was on a Mixed bar and grill. He really believed in what I was doing. I remember having a lot of conversations with him.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And he was like hey, hey. he would say A hey. he wouldn't call me hey, A. Mm-hmm. You, you got it, man. You got the voice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Use it. And I didn't even believe myself at that time.
0: Right.
1: But for a business owner who was very successful to tell me that, who I respected, like, really? He's like, listen, man, you have it. You have the people. I've talked. I've showed, shared your podcast with people. They love it. You know, he had his friends from Boston College who are trying to go into the industry. Call me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Get my advice from me. About what I'm doing, how I'm doing, how the guys going to, right now, the National Black uh, business black uh, Journalist is in, uh, they having a convention in Vegas. I had two guys call me before they went there to ask me about a couple things.
0: Yeah. These
1: that's are journalists. Great. These are journalists who are calling me and asking me advice.
0: Well, I mean, do you think you're a journalist?
1: You know, that's that, that may be a whole, that's a, I mean, a whole different podcast in yeah. itself. That's a good question, though. We'll come back to that, though. That's a good one. I like that one. Wow. But let me get back to your original. That's a good one though. <laughs> um, you know, I don't really know. Like it just people, I just, I knew I had a natural and active talk with people and the gift of gab mm-hmm. and the hustle, hustle, you know, hustle. And I thought it was just for fun. I really did. I, I didn't think anything of it. It was for my son who I love to death. I wanted him to hear stories of all these amazing people that he's, that his dad's known. I'm trying to get one of our mutual people, Eton Thomas on the mm-hmm. show. Uh, we're trying to get him one. So again, it's, it's those type of things that people that I knew, uh-huh. it never was out to be somebody who I didn't know. I didn't sure. know. And then in 2020, when I won Best of Baltimore for Baltimore Sun, it was like, damn. Right. This got real. And then 2020, when Baller Magazine, and I, I'm going to tell you why this is most important to me, when those two of that year. What happened in 2020? Was the um, COVID? Yeah. And guess what? Everybody was home. Mm-hmm. That means people had time to look at, listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. That year, when that, both of those awards means the most to me because I know people sat down and listened. And when they tell, when they people were telling me about this and this and that, you have a, you have a great show. Keep on pushing. I was like, we might have something here. Yeah. And then when I sold over two hundred shirts. Yeah. I was like, we got some.
0: And I think that speaks to the medium. You know, the medium of the interview podcast is people People were really starved to have a conversation with somebody else. Particularly conversations that I would kind of consider novel, right? Like we kept up the conversations maybe with our close friends and family. Um, There were tools to do that. But part of the thing that I appreciate about Baltimore is that in my neighborhood, um, I walk around and... There's somebody new to talk to. I can show up to that bar without a friend. I can show up um, to that event without a friend. And I run into people I know, and I get an opportunity to hear how they're doing. Um, so I think, you know, that's probably the niche that you filled. And I think we're all better for it.
1: Well, you know, I, I told somebody that we mutually know, her name is Celeste. Mm-hmm. And I saw her at Live Baltimore Party recently. I said, you know, let me tell you something. I want to thank you. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, I never told you this you didn't know who I was at all, and you posted on Twitter, if you want to know anything about Baltimore and what's going on in Baltimore, you need to go follow No Picture of Dark podcast. That's a whole different audience that I never knew of that wanted to listen. She put that on her social media. And I remember when that popped up, I was like, who was this lady? (laughs) But it was the work that I put in. It was the Mm -hmm. work that I worked hard and got to where I got to. And I never. It's a blessing every day. Yeah. I don't take any of this for granted at all. Um. Anybody that works with me who knows what I do, I'm a student of a lot of this. I listen to a lot of different shows. I listen to a lot of people. I watch media. So I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the, the Draymond Green. He's his new thing is new media from the, he right. calls it from the uh, uh Golden State Warriors. He calls it new media. Wow. So I guess we'll be the new media. I guess, and a lot of media people don't like that, but I am media because. People, I like to go listen to somewhere
3: else, mm-hmm.
1: and even when friends from Australia, never met them day in my life, but they always show love. And they're one of the biggest podcasts in Australia, and they always say, "Aaron, let's do something. Let's do a command comedy." They just interviewed uh, the guy, the uh, what's his name from Nope, the director. These are people who respect and in the industry, they know who you are. Um, it's just, it's a blessing. I take nothing for granted every day. It's a blessing. Think-
0: I think that's a great time to pause. Um, We're going to take a short break and then we will be back with Aaron. Or A. We'll be back with A.
3: (laughs) (laughs) When you give to United Way, your gift could be the first spark of something bigger. It can help provide nutritious food for a family in need because eating healthy shouldn't be a luxury. It can help someone with housing challenges and be a catalyst for a new beginning because a safe space to call home is the foundation for building a better future. Give today. Spark something bigger.
2: The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carry out, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be filled by Zeke's. is Baltimore's largest maker space, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welder, and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun-free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www.openworksbmore.org or Instagram at open underscore for class schedules, membership options, and more. So I
0: think listening to you, one of the things that really propelled you to keep this going and sort of you know take this to the next level was that people were craving those stories about what's happening in Baltimore. And my theory is that people need to hear good stories about Baltimore. People need to be reminded that even though they may not see it, even though it may not be in their immediate neighborhood or social circle, they want to hear those stories. It's about keeping up the faith in the city that we love. And I'm curious. So I think some people in Baltimore, in order to stay engaged and keep that energy, they need boosterism, right? Okay. Like they need the parties. They need the hashtag. I love Baltimore. Um, they need that type of energy. Some people need to keep it real to keep their energy up around Baltimore because otherwise sometimes you feel like you're being gaslit, right? right? There are challenges, they're serious, they're real. And in order for me to stay engaged, I need other people around me that are reflecting that back.
3: Mm.
0: What keeps you engaged in Baltimore? What keeps you having hope in Baltimore? <sighs> I mean, is that a spectrum you fall on? Cause you can also describe it a different way. You know, there's the A or B or none of the above.
1: No, no, no. I'm thinking about it is, you know, I think it's interesting, the interesting people in Baltimore Mm -hmm. that sometimes we may not have access to. Mm -hmm. It goes back to what you said earlier, access. Mm -hmm. And when you have access to certain people, that's what makes it very interesting. That re-energizes me. That pushes me to go on and move on. Like, for instance, I'm doing, for this season, it'll already be out by that time, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: the interview with Alex Smith that's going to energize a lot of people in Baltimore mm-hmm. because that's a one-on-one with Interesting everybody
0: energized. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alex Smith. That would yeah. be, that would be somebody that energizes the audience. And mm-hmm. I think that will get people thinking mm-hmm. that's,
0: and that's, you know, that's a creative choice, right? Right. Um, you know, being strategic about who you bring on, who you bring on when, sort of the order of people, you know, how you might release episodes. What are the, some of the things that help you create that editorial calendar to use like a, you know, an industry word in media?
1: So what I do is once I get, I have a whole list of names. I keep it in my house and I put it on the wall. And I look at everybody and see how do they match up? What makes sense? Does it make sense to come out with something now or something later? Give you an example, squeegee squeegee situation. This season, am I going to talk about it? I don't know because you know the news cycle changes so quickly. Is it is is it? Do I wait until the mayor has his ninety day right. come back and then bring it back out? So you get to like figure out what makes sense during the time or what's timeless that you can drop in right away and it won't affect at any time.
0: I think that's wisdom, right? Because I think you know, similar to you, when you are in the mix and you do have access, people want to know your opinion about everything. (laughs) And, you know, you have proximity, you have access. Um, what do you think about it? But as I've gotten more wise, I've understood that is that, am I really the right person? Am I really, you know, the person that needs to weigh in on this? Um, What do you think about that when you are choosing topics? Like, is that part of the thing of, like, am I going to add to the conversation or am I going to detract?
1: When I look, when I bring on somebody to interview, I want to make sure you walk away thinking about it like, Mm -hmm. wow, okay, why did Aaron interview this person? And I want them to walk away like, hmm, interesting. I never thought about that way. I don't try to go either way. I try to stay down the middle on Mm -hmm. certain things. Um, Other interviews, you can know which way I'm leaning. Yeah. The way I'm asking certain questions. But with certain interviews, I'm like, hey, you figure it out. You walk away. You come away with your own analysis. And then whatever you think, cool. I'm not going to give you, you should think this way. That's not my job. My job is to, oh, wow, I didn't know this about this person. Oh, wow, I'm learning. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know this person was here. That's my job, Mm -hmm. to inform you, educate you. Then you take it from there.
0: Yeah. So that's what you hope listeners take away. I hope so. And when, but when you are interviewing people, I guess it sounds like it's really important for you to take a step back and maybe not insert your own beliefs or your own sort of thoughts about a particular issue in that moment. Like that may not be the goal. So now that we're interviewing you, (laughs) what's something that surprised you? What's something that you believed that you walked away from an interview, either questioning or changing your beliefs.
1: Um, just dealing with politicians, mm. you see a different side of them when you're the cameras not on one,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and it's very interesting. And knowing that they have very trust issues when they talk with mm-hmm. people, and they're very careful how they talk. But I'm learning that once you are in those circles. Mm-hmm they'll talk a little bit more around you freely, but they know that you're not come out and say something that was repeated there. Mm-hmm. So give an example. And a real quick one is I, um, go on to Mako, the Maryland conferences down in ocean city. I got vetted to go down there mm-hmm. and they vetted me. The guy said straight up, Hey, we want to know who you were, what you're all about. And did we asked brand, we asked mayor Brandon Scott, about you. We asked his team about you. and They said that we liked you. Aaron's a good spokesperson for Baltimore City. Uh, To me, I mean, I I hope that answers the question. It 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 changes your mind and perspective of seeing how people see you. And then they see you a little bit differently. And now I'm seeing myself a lot differently because people always tell you, you have, as as they say in the movie, The Juice Tupac, you got the juice, but do you really have the juice? I don't know yet.
0: What do you see in terms of how that has changed your creative approach, sort of when you started to know?
1: I used to be carefree, more reckless. Mm-hmm. Now it's more strategic. Now it's more defined questions, mm-hmm. more things that I look at that make sense. Uh, listeners want to know a little bit more mm-hmm. instead of cookie cutter. They want me to meet and engage and push back. And I'm learning a lot of that, and these things you learn over time. And every interview is just a different interview. You just gotta go into it, and you get to study. You study the person a lot.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You study. You look at their interviews, look at past interviews. So when I got when you interviewed me, I was looking at all your past interviews on in Balmer Son. <laughs> and you but study, I was on the other. <laughs> but you study. But you study the words, though. You, yeah. study, you study what they. You study their mannerisms. You start learning. You become that person. to Understand mm-hmm. what they're gonna ask. And what you, what how they're asking if they're going to answer that question
0: Yeah, I think that was and thinking about to what you said, I used to be an extrovert and now I think the current unprecedented times might have made me more introverted. I think for me, and this might go back to what we're talking about about like monetizing your creative idea mm-hmm. um, or your dream, what does that mean? And I think for me you know during the pandemic I switched jobs. And I went from being a very public figure to being totally behind the scenes. And I couldn't be happier. Um, and I think that is kind of the same thing. Like, and I think it's wisdom with age. I think when we're younger, we're told to strive, strive, strive. And then you get there and you're like. I don't want it. <laughs> you're like, wow, I don't.
1: Well, I mean. <laughs> i <I'm just>, tired. <laughs> just with you. Yeah. Just having a con- that one first conversation I had with you. Like you said some things that stuck that what scared me. But then it started happening. And I like when you said it, I I kind of knew what you were saying, but I played it off like, whatever. What do you like, what do you mean? By we're not that? We're, we're gonna have to get into that. <laughs> but you said some things that stuck to me and I was mm-hmm. like, we need to talk again. Yeah. Her and I had to talk again because that was and it happened. It happened essentially every way you said it was gonna happen. And it was scary because I was like. Wow, because you were a public figure. You know, you were doing big things. You're still doing amazing things in Baltimore. And I just look at some things you, wisdom, you learn, you listen. And I've learned to listen, not speak so much. Listen and understand. And just people can tell, people can be telling you something not directly, Mm -hmm. but they're telling you, you Mm -hmm. just got to figure out and pick their crumbs up and understand what they're saying to you.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. That's probably something that you have to tease out when you're interviewing someone. You know, who, are, who which version of them are they giving you? And is that the right version that you wanted to interview? Right. And how do you get them to switch gears? Right. And I think that's a talent. And, you know, what's, but I also think, um, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be doing this interview justice if we stayed just to the questions about your medium, just to the questions about your show. So I think what's really interesting in terms of, you know, how do you get them to go where you want to go? So I'm going to see if I'm good at that. <laughs> okay, okay. What breaks your heart about Baltimore?
1: Crime. Crime. Uh, it, it upsets me every day. Seeing lives just lost. One of the good friends just got killed senselessly. you know, it really, I could have quit tomorrow. That's how I felt. I felt heartbroken. I felt like this is like out of control. What are we doing? What are we doing? And senseless deaths, that breaks my heart every single day. And that's why I don't turn news on. I can't watch it. You know, I think even when Donald Trump said Baltimore was a shithole, that really didn't. That didn't do it. I mean, (laughs) that didn't move anything for me. It was kind of like, all right, cool. Like, he was giving me heart palpitations every day, <laughs> you know. But, you know what I mean? But, like, in general, it's crime and poverty. Yeah. That's just heartbreaking every day. And, you know, it's – I don't know. It just that breaks my heart. It really does.
0: What gives you hope about Baltimore?
1: People that I've met. People that have been on the show. People who want things great for Baltimore. People that I have coffee with. I call it Coffee Club, but no picks. Like, mm-hmm. we just – or tabling, that's what we did. These people give me hope every day when I have these conversations. I have conversations with so many amazing people in the city, like yourself. I mean, look how we've connected, you know? And, and I've known about who... I, so the funny part, I've known about you for a while, mm-hmm. but you know who I was.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, but people like yourself, who have done great done the work, and you aspire to say, hey, hope my work is out there like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what gives me hope. Hope is when I'm at AFRAM, People are saying, we love your show. And you have no idea who they are. Yeah, That's hope. That's like, keep on doing what you're doing. We need you. That's what pushes me. No magazine.
3: (laughs) No.
0: But but it's also responsibility, right? Like when people say, I love your show, um, you have a responsibility to keep providing that, the thing that lifts them up. Um, What does that feel like? What does it feel like to have that responsibility?
1: It's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility. You know, I find myself doing a lot more research on my guests, a lot more time doing homework, sitting in the studio, looking over, scanning, understanding a little bit more about people, and trying to find uh, somebody who's like, wow, this is a great subject. You know, you can recycle a lot of people, but let's not, uh, you you get tired of it. You know, so what, my next move is I'm doing more of a DC thing. Interesting. I'm doing more of a Lancaster PA thing. I'm doing, I'm expanding it. Expanding the No to stuff, a Dark Brand.
0: And what was the impetus for that? What made you want to do that? Got to grow. Interesting.
1: You got to grow. You got to
0: grow. What are some stories that you think you're going to be able to, you know, the conversations, what are some of the conversations you're going to be able to have with People in DC that you think will resonate with your Baltimore audience? Uh,
1: there's some things that I'm working on right now that I can't say yet. Okay. But it's a good, good one. Try to pull it out, of me. But um, I'm working with some people right now. The interviews will be coming out and it'll be good. I'll talk about, a little about the DC culture, mm-hmm. um, the environment, the arts, a quick trip that if you want to go out, out of town for a day.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's go to DC. Let's go, check, let's go to Arena, DC. And go check out Frederick Douglass. I just saw that other night. Amazing, mm-hmm. like it, it probably one of the best shows I've seen in a long time.
0: And yeah, and, and I think I think I forget that too. That's you right. know that it's literally like a Mark train right away, or you know, hop on hop in a car, and it's depending on where you want to go. It's so nearby, and there is that cultural center. Um, I, my joke about DC though is that all you ever your social life is going to people's going away parties.
1: Right, nobody's <laughs> ever stayed Everybody's
0: transient. And so you go to the going away party, you meet somebody great, you're friends with them, and then six months later you're going to their going away party. Um, and that's transient. And And I think Baltimore's different. It's certainly the place that I've lived the longest. I've lived in 12 cities Wow. prior to coming here, and, um, and I'm on year seven. And it's the longest place I've ever lived. And the other story that I tell that I don't think happened in D.C. is that Within the first year I lived here, I knew more of my neighbors mm-hmm. than anywhere else I've ever lived. And some things I think contribute to that are the architecture, like mm-hmm. how are our houses built? We share walls. I think that you know our houses are oriented to the street, the stoops, the porches. Um, and the neighborhood that I live in and that feeling, whether it's the businesses or my neighbors themselves, that keeps me here. Even when I feel frustrated. Um, so, talk about your neighborhood. What do you love about your neighborhood?
1: I mean, I love Northeast Baltimore. Uh, I've lived here since 2005. I love the, I mean, the first place I lived, it's hard to toss up. You know, I always tell the story about how my neighbor one night I left my door unlocked. And my neighbor was outside smoking a cigarette at 3 o'clock in the morning. Young kids are walking by my car. Open the car door. Uh My neighbor says, is that your car? (laughs) The kid looks around and keeps it moving. This is a community. Mm -hmm. was just unlike any other. You know, they just, people really cared. They respected, like, I mean, I'm out there with an edge clipper mowing my lawn. Like, Mm -hmm. you're proud of your lawn.
3: Mm -hmm. Little
1: things like that that people just don't understand. The power of just people saying good morning, Mr., ma'am, miss. Yeah. It's just a great feeling. I
0: think that is true. And I think even when I'm outside of my neighborhood, that connection. And and frankly, that was the thing um, that made me so passionate about creating a walkable, bikeable city is that that's how I got to know people, right? Like I am out of my car and I'm physically close to people that I probably wouldn't otherwise in proximity to and we're having those friendly conversations and so between walking my dog and biking and walking around the city met more so many different interesting people um who do you think who do you think the most interesting person in baltimore is right now who are you intrigued i'll say this who are you most intrigued by and that could be a person or that could be an issue um, and the people working on that issue Um, interpret that as as broadly as you want but What's most intriguing to you right now about uh, Baltimore?
1: You come with the hard-hitting questions now. I'm about to drink some water now. Um, wow, and I've met so many amazing people.
0: And it's not static, so I don't want people to feel like they're winning, like best of. No, people no, that no, knows. no, no. So it just could be right now, like in this moment.
1: Wow, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Repeat, repeat it one more time, just so I can think this through. Um. Who is the most intriguing? Who is
0: most intriguing to you at the moment? Um, things that you're questioning or things that you're interested in learning more about. And that could be a person. That could be an issue. That could be a neighborhood. I
1: would, You know what? I would say, and this is going to be so generic. That's okay. Is Westmore?
0: Moore. I think that's a good answer. I'm
1: very, we've met at Afram.
0: I was on his radio show once.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah. So, and you... I'm curious. I'm so curious about him. You know, a lot of people say he gives me the Obama feels.
3: Mm.
1: A lot of people say they give the guy from uh, what's the guy from Florida before he got in trouble. Uh, no. He ran oh, for yeah. ran for um, ran for God, governor. Ran name? for governor. I can't. Somebody's going to know it, and I should know this. But <laughs> now we're both failing. Now we're failing <laughs> miserably. But he ran for governor in Florida. Mm-hmm. Those feels, and the crazy thing is. I met West Moore before he even started running. Like so you see you mm-hmm. on the radio show. We were at a Prince concert. And he was sitting in front of me. And it was the last concert of Prince. And I said, Hey man, how are you? Blah, 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 blah. He doesn't know this to this day that we met. Yeah. He probably doesn't remember we met that day. And that's when I met him. So then I'm in an Afram and then I met him again at Live Baltimore party. He's like, I know who you are. Okay. He's like, and and he's very intriguing. And if he does win. He has a hard. St- it's an interesting competition. You have extremists, far right. Mm-hmm. So okay. So now get the answer. Now now we're getting Maryland intrigues me. Yep. Maryland intrigues me. That's my answer. Final answer. Maryland, because we're gonna find out what Maryland's really about this November, and how many of your neighbors sit out, and that's gonna be really interesting. To how many people vote this month, this 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 election in Maryland, mm-hmm. Maryland. That's that is who I'm really intrigued with the state of Maryland.
0: I want to back up real quick. I've also seen Prince. How surprised were you about how short he was?
1: Very surprised. And <laughs> I, I was also very surprised. I was in tears because <laughs> I, I love Prince and it was it him. Was, yeah. He, he just the most amazing ever on the show. But yes.
0: Backing it up and broadening <laughs> out to who you are, besides Prince. What was the best concert you've ever been to?
1: Foo Fighters, Madison Square Garden, 2004.
0: I've heard they put on a really good live show. I think people discount them. I'm not a big fan, but... Great show. I've heard good things. The
1: stage was was a guitar. Okay. And at the end, he had his drums at the end, and uh, it was was dope. Uh, Also, it's going to sound weird, Bruce Springsteen at the Stone Pony. That is not weird. Well... No, nah, you're not weird, but I'm not, I'm not a Bruce fan.
0: Okay. But that's okay. But
1: I lived in Jersey, so I had to go. Yep. Stoney Pony was only – but the crazy part was he just copped in and played. So it wasn't like a real – it was like a real yeah. like just him rocking out, playing, and nobody knew like he was going to show up, so it was kind of dope.
0: Yeah. I think that's an indication of the way you think about art and the way you think about music is you can recognize skill or talent – or importance without it having to be connected to your personal preference. Right. And I think that has to, that's critical to what you do. You may not agree with everyone that you invite on your show, um, but you can recognize the stories that are going to be most important to people.
1: Um, the Food Fires is not on my playlist, or Bruce Springsteen, right. not, not even my playlist. Sure. But they were the best concerts that I've ever seen better than any hip-hop concert, and I'm a hip-hop head, like a historian, yeah. but those concerts stick out the most and just smash square garden, you know. Food. It was just, it blew me away. And I would go back and see it again in a heartbeat. I, in a heartbeat. I
0: would go with you. Please. We need to find a benefactor to pay for our tickets.
1: Yes, we do. <laughs> if you listen out there, hollows I love it.
0: We need a benefactor. <laughs> um, what podcast are you listening to right now?
1: Wow. So there's a couple urban ones I like from Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Weeding Answers. It's very West Baltimore. They talk about people who were really part of the wire. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much from this guy and the people who have gone through so much in Baltimore. And it gives me inspiration. A lot of these people have gotten through and they talk about the fights, the things they've gotten Mm -hmm. through, how they're now business owners. And so I like listening to his show. Young guy, really good, just really savvy you know, they drink, they chill, they party. They have a okay. good time. But it's really, that's very hyper-local.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, i trying to think outside of Baltimore. Um, this group, this, this podcast called Girl in the Gov. It's two oh, women who go. do a really, really good job at talking about politics. And they just tell you, this is when you just vote, find out and learn a little bit more about it. Um, I used to listen to daily. Um, mm-hmm. Daily is, you know, it's one of the things where I like, I'll sit down quick to the point. Right. So I like the daily a lot. Um, I think there's, that's about it right now. I mean, yeah. the there's so much, there's so many. And that's why you have to figure out how to figure out your niche. Yeah. And where do you stand?
0: I agree. And then you can get in a rut and you miss those new voices. So I really appreciate learning about new podcasts that you're listening to. I don't, I, those will be all new for me. You probably I, never listen to them. And I, And I think similar to yours, it's how someone like me, um, Baltimore can be insular. As much as you Mm -hmm. think, I know the city or I care about the city broadly, you have to work very hard to get out of your bubble and to make those connections and to hear the stories of the people that don't live in your neighborhood, from the people that may share a different perspective on Mm -hmm. politics are really sensitive issues. Um, and so I think that is your gift, um, is bringing those types of stories to us. Um, because, you know, if you're gonna love your city, you gotta know it. You do. And and I think um, that's a gift. And so I appreciate that. And well, I know Two
1: more, I'm sorry, two more oh, I forgot. Oh, great. The pivot
0: is more of a sports
1: than the comes on. That's really really good. It's a really good show. Uh, Ryan Clark is on ESPN. Shannon, it's like it's a really good and the drink champs. Now that's a whole different that's Nori, who's our former hip hop, but he has all he had. Patti LaBelle on the last LaBelle, mm-hmm. like and he they're in there drinking and they have. He's had Kanye on there. He they they have everybody as hip hop. So that's when I when I go on a different side. Mm-hmm. It's like this is really it's really dope. So yeah. sorry. Interrupt no,
0: that's fine. Throw him out there. All right. Um kind of rapid fire. Okay. Snowball flavor. Banana. Marshmallow or no marshmallow? No marshmallow. Interesting. Um, crab cakes or like sitting and like picking crabs?
1: Let's go, let's go. Let's sit, let's sit down, eat some crabs and chill and, and like let's have let's enjoy let's enjoy each other's company. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's Definitely
0: talk. a social process. Let's do it. Um Where do you like to have, like, what place in Baltimore inspires you to have these conversations? Where do you get your best, okay, I'll rephrase that. Where do you get your best ideas?
1: Sit in this room. That's why I got it. Sit here. I play a little music.
0: What a, I mean, it's a great space, and I think that that's really important, and I think that's good advice for creative people. Sometimes you got to get out of the house. Yeah. Especially.
1: Especially just, I like coming here. I like to sit here. I like to. Have a glass of wine, play some music, and I just look at these paintings and drawings, and then I look at what makes sense. And it's, it's just peace of mind.
0: Can I come co work with you? Because that sounds great. It, it is. <laughs> it's,
1: it's a dope feeling. You're listening to music, you're just sitting here, just like, and it's, it's, it's just quietness. And you're like, all right, this makes It's a good reset. You know, this is the first time I've been here in a month.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I must have meant that it was a month ago that we talked or yeah. that was the last time I was here. Yeah. Might've been there between, I don't remember. A month. I time, been in... time means nothing I at been this been, point. I haven't
1: been here. Yeah. <laughs> What's time? I haven't been here cause I, I wanted to get away from my mind clear.
0: Yeah. So speaking of time, we're winding down and I want to leave folks with an opportunity to do what I think is the most important in terms of, know what stories you're telling and how you want to tell them and now it's your turn um to be a story that we tell and what's your what's your parting word what do you what do you hope people take away from your podcast or this interview
1: that i'm a real person i'm just i'm just like everybody else i just fortunate and blessed to have the opportunity to talk with amazing people like yourself an opportunity to work with amazing camera people that really believe in my vision you know and come along with this ride It has just begun and I'm excited for what's gonna happen this season because the season has some amazing episodes that you're gonna be like
0: I'm looking forward to
1: it you're like okay I, I get I get it like I get it and I got a really cool sponsor that I'm pinching myself right now great. So I want you to walk away like this guy is just like you and me, just, just normal guy. I get coffee all the time. I I, I go to Maggie's <laughs> Farm. I'm a normal person. I just love my neighborhood. So that's what I walk away with. And if you haven't listened, then you take a chance. Listen. It's like have By this time, probably 190 episodes mm-hmm. are out. 190 yeah. different flavors for you.
0: And I definitely, you know, encourage people. Find that person that makes you have hard conversations and make find that person that makes you think differently when you walk away from those. And that's certainly um, what I appreciate most about our friendship. And I just want to thank you for inviting me to do this. Um, I've learned a lot and I hope your listeners do too. Um, and I can't wait to hear it come out. And you know, everybody doesn't like the sound of their own voice. <laughs> so, so I can't wait for it to come out and then close close my ears when i'm listening (laughs) to the part where i speak but again thank you so much aaron um i know i appreciate you and certainly all of us in baltimore appreciate what you do and what you give to us and um, i hope you know that and i hope you can take that with you even on the days when that responsibility weighs on you thank you appreciate
2: you Baltimore Fiscal Partners is a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and consulting services. For nonprofits, small businesses, and with experience running nonprofits and small businesses, they know that there's not always enough time at the end of the day for you to focus on your finances. Whether it's monthly bookkeeping or an annual audit, tax preparation or consulting, nonprofit or small business, Baltimore Fiscal Partners provides full range or tailored solutions that keep your goals and budget in mind. Learn more about Baltimore Fiscal Partners online at baltimorefiscal.com or follow them at Baltimore Fiscal on Facebook and Instagram.